sometimes there's a little scripture uh sometimes there's a little cognac in that so it goes any which way can i have your attention for a moment what's good revolution welcome to the what's a revolution show a show for men and the people who love them where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution within themselves i am your host dr charles corporal what's good revolutionaries we are into 2021 can you believe it we made it through 2020 we're into 2021 and we're about to celebrate dr martin luther king's birthday birthday we're also seeing a transition <laughs> it's interesting that we say that we're seeing a transition we have been through four years four years of 45 and now 46 is in office and we're seeing this transition of life. We're seeing almost a, a springtime for some of us, for many of us, as we come out of the darkness. And as we say into the light, the light, the light. We see hope. For many of us, we see an opportunity to grow, to, to gather together. As we see the light with COVID and the vaccine, we're seeing light in our life hopefully. And so we wish you well in 2021 as you move forward. And as we celebrate Dr. King's dream, we think about this, we think about it. It has never been more important than now as we think about Dr. King's dream of coming together as a people to come together as a nation. And so as we embark, as we embark on this holiday, I ask that you reach out to someone someone that you don't know, someone that does not look like you, someone that you might have been shying away from to say, you know what? Well, they're just not like me. I ask you, I implore you to reach out, dear brothers and sisters, to open your hand, to open your hearts, to open your homes potentially, right? As we go down the road to say, you know what? I want to break bread. I want to understand your story. I want to understand where you've been. So I can find some, as my friends say, empathy and sympathy for who we are as a people. Think about that. Think about Dr. King's dream, brothers and sisters. Think about Dr. King's dream, revolutionaries, as we march on in 2021. And I implore you to think about, as we say here, what we think is the most thought-provoking question of your life. What's revolution? What are you trying to transform in your life? What are you trying to change? Whose lives are you trying to change? Whose lives are you trying to touch? And as you know, we are always here to help you answer that question, to help you embark on your revolution. So you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram or on Facebook at our podcast page on Facebook. You can just reach out to me at ccorporu at WY Revolution with any thoughts and questions. We thank you for your support and please subscribe on all your podcast medium. You know, I'm always fortunate to interview amazing <laughs> headliner guests, <laughs> as, as, as my good friend said. He said, I'm a headliner. And yes, this brother is definitely a headliner. And as we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday, I wanted to bring a headliner on the show. Revolutionaries, give a warm welcome to Chief Leadership Minister. Look, that's a, that's a name. As, as, as I thought about this, we're coming up with these new innovative names, you know, as we lead our companies, as we lead our organizations, these, these new innovative names to really describe what we do. And yes, this brother Rashib 
Thomas is the chief leadership minister for RT Consultants. He is the executive coach to some of the most influential black men in the country. And so I wanted to bring this headliner on. Dear brother Rashib, what's going on with you? How are you? What's going on, Dr. Corporal? I'm so glad to be here. And thank you. Yes, I, that's my private joke. I am a headliner. Um, yeah, chief leadership ministers. So we all have a ministry, right? And that's what I believe is that whatever is right in front of you is what you're called to do. There's always a big question about what's my purpose. And whatever's right in front of you, I've learned, is what you're called to do. So for me, in my uh, through the years of either being a human resources professional, also being a certified coach, and also being an author, oftentimes the, the miracles happen in those small moments when I meet people on the street or are at a conference with someone and, and, and allow to have a conversation. And that's when um, I'm doing what I do best, and that's in my ministry. And I like to have conversations about leadership. I like to have conversations about um, your best self and your true and authentic self. And so if I ask myself the question, what's my revolution? I would think it's simply, you know, um, or not simply, it is self-actualization, being my authentic self, being who I've been called to be on the planet. And because I'm on that journey myself, I support others in doing the same. And I'm so glad that I get to do it with Black men um, and women sometimes. But you you know, we have a unique experience growing up where the things are told to us or not told to us or things that we've had to learn on our own. And um, especially corporate Americans, as I like to say. And so that's what I, I try to stand in the gap and close that gap in. And, you know, we want life and we want it more abundantly. There's scripture that reads that. And so that's what I, I get to support people with doing. Sometimes there's a little scripture, uh, sometimes there's a little cognac in that. So it goes any which way. <laughs> Did you say a little scripture, a little cognac? Hey, guess what? Somebody turned water into wine. And so you meet people. I get to meet people where I am and people I get to meet people where they are. And so sometimes it looks uh, very pious and holier than now. And other times it's like down to earth and let's just break bread and talk. And, you know, can't say I'm a, a connoisseur of cigars, but they always help. Right. And then a little drink and then um, just really uh, uh, being in a space where people feel safe and being in a space where people feel like they can have the conversations that get them to the, their next level. And that's what I support people with. And, and those are the times when I've had fun, right? Yeah, so. no doubt. Uh, Rashid, it's interesting you say that, you know, being a psychologist uh, most days. <laughs> and I, sp I spend a lot of time, particularly at this stage of my life and 2021 is going to be the year that I turn 50, dear brother. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. 50, you know, a celebration. You know, as my mother would say, Lord willing on May 20th, I will turn 50 years old. This, this gray, as you can see on my face is, is, is the, you know, are the marks of are the marks and scars of a 50 year old. But I spend a lot of time, as as you just said, reflecting on self-actualization. And I, I love that you you brought that aspect up because that that's your revolution. And look, as an executive leadership coach, right, someone who talks about leadership development, for us to be our best selves, we have to think about what self-actualization actually is. And, 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 and for those of us, you know, not in psychology or not in coaching, self-actualization really goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right. And really, there's these five stage, five or six stages of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. 
where it starts with safety, you know, uh, love and belonging, self-esteem, uh, getting, getting to basically self-actualization. And if I can remember correctly, Rashid, only about 2%, if I, if I remember, you know, in my, in my studies, that only about 2% of the world actually self-actualizes. Right. It gets to that point. And, and can, do me a favor really quickly. Define what self-actualization is. Well, I'm a user Rashibism type uh, definition. I, so I, may, I may miss the clinical definition, but um, in the Rashibism world, it's really um, uh, being your authentic self. And that's what I call it. Being your authentic self in, 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 in such a way that you your ways of being who you're being actually um, is what you're intending to be. It shows up on the planet that way. People experience you that way. You're actually able to uh, create and cultivate experiences with yourself and others that actually allow you to live a full life. So that's the Rashibism RTC version. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I love that we, you know, we talk about authenticity and revolutionaries. I know you're going to say, he's going to say that word. He's going to say that word. Yes, I am. You know, being your authentic self means that you can be vulnerable in the world, right? Mm -hmm. That V word that we talk about that men saying, what does that mean? That means you're showing up authentic, right? Um, and being able to get to this point where you can be authentic, where you can self-actualize. Um, and the clinical aspect of this is just to add on to the Rashidism is that you're actually you actually have created and thought about what your fullest potential can be. And because all of your other needs are met, you can actually move to this space of reaching your fullest potential that you can set goals, as you said, right? Uh, you know, setting those goals to be the person that you want to be when you wake up in the morning, because all of your other needs are met. Right. And as you said, as a coach, right, and as as a coach, sometimes we get lost. We get lost. We get stuck at loving belonging, or or we get stuck at self esteem because those two. I don't really feel good about myself. You know. Right. Um, I am struggling with my self-efficacy. I'm struggling with my self-esteem. So I'm not actually showing up as my authentic self because I'm thinking that the world sees me a certain way or I'm perceiving a, a threat. Talk about that for a second, Rashid. As you say, as a coach, you stand in the gap. How do you do that? How do you stand in the gap and get people to that point where, oh, wow, I woke up today, Rashid stood in the gap, and now I can self-actualize? Awesome. And that the, that's really what my work is. And, and so many people who uh, support people with emotional wellness and just with self-actualization or um, how that shows up is. And, and I, part of it is I'm going to tell you how that shows up, but then it also tells you, you know, I'm a, a person on the journey as well. So I, I, a lot of what I stepped into as a career has been because of my own journey. And so what that looks like is I get the chance to look at what's in the way, like, What's the gap from you saying what you say you want from you actually having it? And then how long you've actually been wanting that? And what I've also learned, um, Charles, is that that's hell on earth. When there's a disconnect, that's hell. People are saying, I know I should be doing more. I know I'm called to do more. I know I can do more. But for some reason, I haven't gotten the advanced degree like I've wanted to do for some years. And it's been five years. It's been four years. I haven't written a book. I've thought about it. It's happy. It's here's, it's a five-year plan or something, a dream that I want, but I've never really done it. Or I want to take a trip to this place. It would be nice one day and I haven't done it. Or I want to release some weight, right? And I haven't done it. 
um, and here comes one year and here comes another year. And so we, I get to, a chance to look at, and what I've learned is like, what beliefs are driving your actions, right? And so we look at the beliefs and we, we uncover how we were um, our earliest ages, right? So our relationships with most men and women come from our relationships with our mother and our father, right? And we unpack that and we spend time with that. And so I have activities around that, but we look at what those relationships, um, how they molded and shaped us and what beliefs we um, developed as a result of it. You know, as I tell my own story, um, I, I, I'm very American, very apple pie. I, I'm a have Louisiana roots, but I started life on the West Coast. So um, Seattle, Tacoma is where my Louisianans had migrated to. Mm. And then my mom came back to Louisiana as a 13-year-old, which was my first time living. And so I had a Lutheran, Scandinavian environment in the Pacific Northwest. And I came to New Orleans and then I had, I, uh, we lived on the West Bank um, and which had a large, um, Central American population. So I grew up with some Hondurans. So Spanish and, and just the flavor and the food, the Spanish food, the Creole food. And so all of these identities and these intersectionalities. Well, what's also unique about me and I'm unapologetic. So I'm five years behind you. I'm 45. Um, I'm a gay man. Right. And so there were years I couldn't say that because, you know, I was raised to be an abomination. Right. So that was a belief I developed about myself. I was raised to believe that if you drew attention to yourself, then it would you would not be able to work. You're, you wouldn't be able to speak to your grandparents because they would be ashamed of you. And these are things that were said to me. Right. And so but I also on the flip side was told that you need to achieve. You need to get a good job. You need to make good grades. You need to do all these different things. So I really and, and I had a warm home. I had a loving home. I also had beliefs that were passed to them that were then passed to me on how to be in the world. Now, my mom did a good job. I'm a black man in America and I'm alive and I'm still, you know, and I, I'm here and I, I have no major scars, right? As a result of that, she did her job. At the same time, she did what she knew how to do. And that was instill some of those beliefs that, you know, some of us could call limiting beliefs, but they limited me based on the vision that I had for my life, like wanting to travel. Although we did travel, but I wanted to, you know, be global and I wanted to live in a bigger city and do all these different things. And based on how I was raised and some of the beliefs that were instilled in me, it was, well, don't do that because that's for white people, mm. or you can't do that because this or that. And so as I transitioned into corporate America, um, I was always showing up in the room, censoring myself. I was scared somebody was going to find something out about me. I was scared they were going to judge me and think that, um, you know, oh, he's this way or he's that way, right? I could be at times in my life when I would say something or open my mouth because who I am who I am, right? I have certain Rashibisms. I could look into people's eyes and see that they thought, oh, here we go. They thought, oh, he's, he's different. And so then I was trying to navigate. I would try to, you know, get a, a promotion. I would try to get put on the team for this work assignment and all these things. But I was doing it in a way that was um, I was wounded. Right. And so because of the beliefs that I had that if I was my authentic self and then I, if I was honest with myself first, then that was too much of a risk and I would be throwing it all away. And so what then began to happen, Charles, is that people began to experience me as inauthentic. Mm. 
Tell I would, the story, brother. Tell right, that story. I would go around the world and, you know, I had, but here's the thing, but I was achieving in, in spite of, right? And so that's what I help the clients with. Sometimes we get, I, you know, we earn the advanced degree, we um, have the good job, but yet we're still not punching through the way we want to. So some of my leadership positions, although I had some leadership positions, the ones I aspired to um, were were um, were not within my reach because people would say, there's just something inauthentic about you. Mm. And, and that would come up sometimes in 360 feedbacks and all of those types of tools and mechanisms that we have. And so what I've learned to do with clients is that I support them looking at those areas as well. Like what's who, who, who are you that people, and how do people experience you? And, you know, we've seen, we watch it on television. We watch it on said streaming program, right? The person who can't get a date, the person who can't get this or that, or the person who uh, doesn't get the promotion. Sometimes there's no one, they can't see what's in their way, but everybody else can see it. Right. And so my job is to help them see that for themselves and take a look in the mirror. And so now um, all of those things, it's just uncovering that it's having the conversations. It's looking at when those, um, beliefs developed and how, what's it costing us and how it's showing up in our life. And so it's, um, it's therapeutic, but it's not therapy. Right. And so we look at all of those things, the maneuvering through your corporate space, maneuvering through, you know, entrepreneurship, maneuvering through relationships. And so what I'm able to do is once we look at some of those areas, the beautiful thing is nothing in your life has to change, but everything changes because you determine a new belief about a thing um, and and really taking on new ground. So maybe you didn't travel before. This is all pre-COVID, of course. <laughs> maybe you didn't travel before, but then you decide to take that one trip to Europe that you had never done because no one in your family has a passport. And then you do that. And then that begins to open up the world for you. You go back to the same job, still got the same relatives, still got the same whatever, but everything in your life can change, but nothing has to change just by simply um putting on a new lens. And that's what, um, that's part of my ministry, man. Rashid, there was so much with that, man. (laughs) I mean, so, so, so much with that, you know, and thinking about shifting those negative beliefs and for us as black men and, and, I mean, revolutionaries, you heard him talk about his New Orleans roots, him, him being a gay man, uh, the limiting beliefs that come along uh, uh, sometimes with our family. That, uh, as you were talking, I, I think about my mother and wanting to play football, wanting to play football as a young man and, and, and was decent, wanting to play basketball. But my mother was always afraid of me getting hurt. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't get a chance to play. I could play baseball. And so she was okay because my grandfather played baseball, but she wasn't okay with me playing football. She wasn't okay with me playing basketball. And so there's, there was this, this limiting, this, this limiting belief that says, no, uh, I don't know. And so if you think about children and parents, and here's the science behind it, the mirror neurons that children have that they have that reflect their parents' beliefs, right? right. The anxiety that parents may have are then transferred on to the child. And then we then go out into the world, Rashid, internalizing those, you know, what we've seen and what we've internalized even unconsciously from our family members. Well, you can't do exactly. that. You're, or, or why are you doing that? I even find myself now, even at 50, right, having to purposely say to my mother, right, I'm not going to tell you this because I know that you're going to worry. 
and that you're going to you're going to come up with some limiting thing and that is then going to then worry me and i don't have a t- i don't have time to worry wow right i don't have time to worry because i need to at this point as you said rashid i need to stand in my own gap because i've seen all the the, the limiting beliefs that you have right passed down in the thought that they were loving and I understand that, right? I'm protecting right. you. I'm your mother. I'm protecting you. I don't want you to get hurt. But those limiting beliefs then become saying, well, I can't get this job because you know what? I'm really not good enough. Or you know what? I can't, I'm not as good at playing ball because, oh, I might get hurt and then something's going to happen. We've got to step aside, right, of those limiting beliefs, as you said. And so I, I, I love that because you know, you've got to put some strategies in place. And so my next question to you, Rashid, is like you're standing in the gap and, and you seeing those limiting beliefs, what happens, what's the, what's the strategy that you begin to, and I don't want you to give your whole, your whole palette away, you know, because I, I want people to go to uh, Rashid Thomas coaching, consulting, excuse me, check out his website is amazing. Talks about his journey, but what's the strategy that you get for people to overcome those negative and self-limiting beliefs that hamper them from being, uh, or hamper them from self-actualizing. So thank you for that. And I'm, uh, our parents, yeah, our parents don't mean no harm. It yeah. just happens, you know, because they are protecting their children and they're keeping us alive and they're cooking good food for us. I wish I had some good food for my mom now. Um, let's see, would I, would I actually support people? So we do a series of activities um, through our time. And then, you know, um, we also, I allow them to speak and I listen to what's going on in their life, right? Because I'm able to, life is happening in real time for them. So I'm able to give them feedback and ask questions. Um, and my job is to ask the questions in such a way that help them discover um, what's working and what's not working for themselves. So my job is to help the, the, the answer come up through them. I can give them the answer from based on what I've seen, but it's not going to be as effective as if the answer comes up through them and they have those aha moments. So what we do is we, you know, we do a series of activities together, but I, I support people with looking at their choices. And I also support people with um, looking at um, what would be the new belief, right? If you say you want this, then what would be the new belief and who do you need to be to get there? Right. Um, and if, Hey, if you say you want to release weight up until now, what has worked and what has not worked. And so if we're in order for it to be different, who do you need to be? Who do you get to be? So if that's responsible, if that's um, rigorous, if that's um, committed, those are the things that we look at. And then we put some action plans in place. Um, You know, I love the fact that um, people, we're all our worst critic, right? And I think a lot of the pain that I've realized for myself and I talk about with others is usually self-inflicted. We've learned some things from others, but the really the un, um, the inability to break free from it usually is self-inflicted. And so what we do is we look at how we can break free from that. And um, when they do start breaking free from it, it's really like tracking in real time some of the results that they're having and the, the, the experience that they're creating. Last thing I'll say about that, Charles, is what I've learned is that I can, in our lessons, my job is to help them deal with things and support um, their decision making and choices in real time. I say that because on an hour call, 90 minute call with myself, you know, that's a, that's a test case. That's a conversation. We're just acting it out. We're role playing out. 
the, I tell my clients, you won't know who to be until choice point comes. You won't until it's right in front of you until when someone is right, you know, the person pisses you off or the email came and you won't know, okay, how do I take new ground and either stand up for myself? Or if the person slides into your DM and says, Hey, I, I saw you and I wanted to meet you. And then you don't know how to respond because up until then you didn't think you were worthy of that person's credentials or that type of relationship or what have you, you won't know who to be until choice point. And then the way you get through who you need to be or who you get to be at choice point is courage, right? I'm not saying you have all the answers. And I tell my clients, we ain't got to bake this out right now because we don't know. Look, the ending of the series ain't been written yet, but courage will get you through it. So once you show up with a courageous heart, then guess what? You'll be telling me next session what happened, yeah. you know? Um, yes. And that's how, that's how we look at all of those things. Um, it's choice points. It's the beliefs that they're, uh, that, that they have that actually impact their actions that impact their results and impact their life. And then we look at, um, again, the ways of being that allow them to actually manifest it because, up until now, everything has been just a conversation. So something needs to actually fundamentally change. And it's also my job to call people out. Sometimes I got to talk about you like uh, your cousin would just to make <laughs> you to shift into a new way of being. So that's what I do. Man, Rashid, good Lord, brother. This this is this is what 2021 is going to be for us, right? Right, right here. You know, thinking right. about this, who do we want to be? Right. Right. You don't change. You can't manifest something else unless you see it. Right. Unless you see what you want to be in those situations, you have to envision it. And so it's so interesting that you say that, because last year, as I was rounding out the year with my therapist, I ousted home and I, I'm a big proponent of black men going to therapy. We need to go and continue to go. It's a part it's a part of our healing as as a cadre, you know, as, as a monolith of people, we need to go to therapy. But he said, I want you to think about what December of 2021 looks like. Mm-hmm. And you're celebrating, like mm-hmm. you are celebrating. It's the end of the year. You're celebrating all of your wins for the year. Mm. And he said, by seeing that, by envisioning your wins of the year, you can then work backwards. And say, how do I get to this point where I'm jumping up and down? Like, yes, yes. Right. The What's Your Revolution show, right, is funded. I've had 40 shows. I've been able to interview amazing people like you, Rashid. Um, I mean, it just, you know, Alfred Edmund Jr., our brother at Black Enterprise, is saying this is one of the best podcasts that we can experience for Black men. Uh, In a relationship, house, home, my parents, all these different things. He, He said, I want you to envision it. Because if you don't envision it, like you said, you can't then, oh, and what I love is that you can't make the choice points. Right. When things happen, when someone slides into your DM, you're like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Right. Maybe I, (laughs) maybe I want to holler at you. Right. Or that financial opportunity comes along where you've been saying, oh, I've been trying to hoard this cash. Where's the choice point? I, I love that. That's the nugget revolutionaries that you find in every one of the shows is that, you have the ability to hear key things that are going to revolutionize your life. What Rashid said is that you're going to have choice points, mm-hmm. but if you haven't manifested how you're going to see yourself, right? Interestingly enough, those choice points come with little things. Do you have the chocolate chip ice cream if you're trying to lose weight? You know, 
Right. Do you go get that gumbo from New Orleans? <laughs> yes. I say yes. I say you go get that gumbo from Cauliflower New rice. Cauliflower rice, maybe instead of regular rice. And maybe that's a, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But it, it, exactly. That's what I love. And if we, if, if we are weaving a tapestry here, my brother, like think about what you just said. We're weaving a tapestry that we're getting back to this point of self-actualization. And this weaving of, this weaving of our tapestry of getting to that point is that, you're going to have to be able to make choice points, right? That allow you to find love and belonging, that allow you to see yourself as good, as great, as revolutionary. And those choice points, what you're saying, dear brother, are going to move you there, or they're going to keep you in the same space or move you backwards. Exactly. And that, that, is, that is the revolution. That's the revolution right there, my, my people, is that you're going to be faced with choices. You can move. Right. Or you can stay the same or you, you can actually even move backwards, dear brother. Look, as always, you know, the show goes by so fast and I want to learn a little bit more. You heard the New Orleans piece, right? You knew, you, you heard that. He grew up on the West Bank, <laughs> as we say, <laughs> with the West Bank, with the Hondurans, man. You know, it was interesting to note that New Orleans is this has the second largest Honduran population in the world. Did you know that? I did. And here's the thing. The la primera parada, the first stop is the West Bank. The second stop is El Bronx in New York. Yeah. Third stop is Boston. Man, that 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 is crazy. That 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 is like knowing that I lived in a Honduran neighborhood for, you know, 10 to 12 years after the storm. My neighborhood right. in in Metairie, who would have thought that Metairie was one of the most diverse cities in the country? Because of the large Honduran population that lives in Metairie, Louisiana, I miss I miss our beloved New Orleans. Rashiba, I want you to talk a little bit about your book, about that life, mm-hmm. right? You know, what are the takeaways? You know, if if I'm I'm that person, I want to know a little bit more about Rashib. I want to know about his coaching, but I'm like, ah, let me read his book first, right? About that life. Why am I picking it up? Um, you know, because you can see yourself in it. And let me tell you something you said, and I'm connected to, you talked about your therapist saying, what does December 2021 look like? And that's so powerful because he was asking, or they were asking you to set intentions. So not only did you vision it, but you were setting your intentions. And based on universal law, it has no, it has to show up, right? Because you've set your intentions. And so that's what, um, that was the book. My book was a manifestation of someone supporting me, me having a coach and the coach asking me, getting me to clarify what my vision was for a thing. And that's what I've been able to do over the years. Also with as an HR professional with when people come in my office or have come in my office and they say, uh, you know, I need this next job. My question to them always would be, what's your vision for your career? Because your vision will tell you exactly who you need to be, what you need to do, where you need to go. So if even if you take this job that's a bump in the road or someone may have a judgment on it, if that's part of your vision and it's on your path, do it. So part of what uh, how the book came along is me getting support with really uh, wanting to live my best life and really have results and impact that I actually feel proud of. And so one of them was getting an idea out of my head. It went from being a nice idea to actually manifesting a book. Now I'm self-published. And so it was, I had to learn a lot of things about myself, about 
time commitment, right? And about uh, sticking to a schedule and sticking to a plan and also getting support when I got an editor to support me with it. And, and what I tell people, it's a book of transitions. It tells a story of a young professional, who, myself, and some lessons around it to where we talk about things like making love to the crowd. And what that means is networking. That yes. means networking. Yes. And I tell a story about um, being at my first Urban League Golden Gala in Equal Opportunity Gala in Urban League of Greater New Orleans. And I was a 23 year old kid from the wrong side of the tracks. You know, I, I don't, my uh, family doesn't have long blue blooded money as like everyone there, but only one person spoke to me and she was the, one of the guests of honor. And the way she made me feel in that moment, I, I then modeled, like I worked the room and I say, hello, hi, my name's Rashid. And what I've been, so I, uh, uh, teach that to others. And I call it make love to the crowd. So that's just networking. I talk about give people, give them what they want, right? So if we see Michelle Obama, we want to see her arms. If we see Barack with a basketball in his hands, we want a three-pointer, right? If we see Beyonce on stage, we want our money's worth. Yes. And we, we know we're going to get it. All of those things. So what do people expect from you, right? When you show up or when your name's on the bill or your name's on the program, what do they expect from you? So you got to give them what they want. And then I also talk about filling your own cup. And so it's a it's it's running the stories in the book, have those leadership lessons at the back and takeaways, but it also has stories about running through the streets of the French Quarter. You know, I was a young kid with a, a g- gas on my chest. It also talks about, you know, uh, buying a home in Harlem and realizing that I was accused of being a gentrifier. And wow. I was like, what? But I'm as, I'm as black as the day as long. At the same time, um, I was saying, get off my stoop. I was saying, you know, I paid for this. I was doing, I was saying, oh, the block needs to be a little more quiet. All of these things that quote unquote gentrifiers do. And someone says, Rashid, you are a gentrifier. And I was like, oh my God. And so it was looking at that and how did I reconcile that? And it was um, stories about navigating through corporate spaces and also um, loving my community. So in that gentrifying conversation, I, I realized how many times, as, especially as a person who volunteers in civil rights organizations, I realized how many times I was going somewhere to do something. Like I would get on the subway and go to the voter registration drive. Uh, some manicured voter registration drive that was probably happening at Shakespeare in the Park. Now, now I know 10 out of 10, nobody at Shakespeare in the Park needs voter registration. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would walk past all of the people on my block that pro- could I could A, engage with, but B, probably needed someone that lived on their block, looked like them, engaged with them and saw them every day that they trusted to, to then have the conversation about why they should try it this time, right? So it was right in front of me. It wasn't at the event. So the book tells all of that story, those stories. You laugh about it. So there's 11 lessons and three laws. Um, I talk about when the bottom falls out, I call it the law of few. And, you know, when um, nobody shows up, what do you do? You know, right. and, and some of those lessons that I've had through that and successes um, fundraising successes that I've had through that. And so it's, it's a quick read, but it's fun. You know, it's the saints colors on the front. Uh, <laughs> New Orleans. Who saints going to the playoffs again. Yes. Come on. <laughs> I need another title. Um, and so, so it's fun. And that, again, it was four years ago, but it was really like, I got to experience who I was and that's what I support clients with. And I know your listeners, um, um, 
are in, in that journey is like, I got to experience who I was as a published author, who I am as a published yes, author. Yes. So it went from a nice idea to actual a tangible mm. result. And so that's what I keep creating um, with the book, um, creating my own life and designing my own life. Hey, I didn't have some big book contract, but I said, let's have um, a book tour. How do you do a book tour? You find a place to go and you invite people. Yes. London, Dublin, Berlin. What? Wow. Look, Ma, I'm international. Yes. And so in New York and all of those places um, that I was able to have the conversation and dialogue. And it was just so um, the experience that I had of myself, I then it gave me a boost to create more things. And so that's what I tell people once they start. Um, that's what I support people with. Once they start doing one thing and have some results around it, then it, it'll f- be the fuel for the next yes. level of results. So they get to be about that life too. <laughs> I love that. I love that. This whole theme, Revolutionaries, has been has been about getting yourself to self-actualize. You had to see yourself as an author, a published author. You had to see yourself doing the book tours, right? And then getting yourself to do the work. Think about that, right? We get we get stuck in our own way. We go back to you said we get stuck in our self-limiting beliefs, those negative. I can't do that. I can't run for office. I can't write a book. Nobody's gonna read this book. You got out of your way. You right. got out of you got out of your way. And that's amazing. Where can people get the book, Rashid? They can go to aboutthatlifebook.com and that's where um, they can find it. And I actually offer per, uh, autograph coffee, uh, autograph <laughs> copies to everyone, excuse me, um, but aboutthatlifebook.com or Google my name, Rashid Thomas and people I usually come up. But Charles, you said something that was so important. You know what I had to get? I had to get in the worthiness gym. Oof. I had the to get in the worthiness gym, gym because I... We're all worthy, right? The fact that we're here on this planet uh, with a dollar in our pocket or no dollar, we are worthy. With a title, with whatever, we are worthy. I had to, I had to know that I was worthy, and I had to get in the worthiness gym. And I say the gym because, you know, when you, when I started, and we, one starts having those conversations, they may not be as strong as five years down the road or when they have some tangible results. But I had to really get clear on myself. I had to trust myself. I had to start um, saying that I'm enough. I had to do some affirmations and mantras. I had to say, you know, I'm a trusting, authentic, and responsible leader. Those are the ways of being that would allow me to have new ground. The fact that I started trusting myself, because I always had the answer, but I didn't trust myself to say it in those spaces, Mm, right? And so when I started doing that, I started seeing like, oh, people listened or I got, or it was well-received whether I said it like a country boy or not in a New York boardroom, people received it. And so I said, okay, keep doing it, keep doing it. So that was the worthiness, Jim. And that's what I offer your listeners. So, you know, um, do you know that you're worthy, right? You are worthy, but do you know it in your ethers and your being, whether they like it or not, you got to know that your stuff, uh, you're it. Right. And I had to really get clear that I'm it. If I'm waiting on GQ magazine to tell me that I'm it, I might not never know. Yeah, it. You might never get it, brother. No, but I'm right. I'm it. And so the it. Way you, look, 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 as as this fellow, this fellow B.E. Modern Man, class of 2019, and we're going to give a shout out to our brother, our good brother, Alfred Edmund Jr. As Absolutely. he supports as he supports black men around this country. 
Rashid, this has been an amazing conversation, dear brother. And there's so many topics that we didn't even get to. You know, we might need to do a part two of this, brother. I'm open. <laughs> we might need to do Rashid Thomas part two because there's so much more. But what I want my revolutionaries to take away from this is that believe that you can do the things that you aspire to do. And if you need help, if right. you need help in trying to figure out what your revolution are, there's so many of us out here. And this brother is an expert. Rashid Thomas, go to RashidThomasConsulting.com or is it RTC.com? RashidThomas.com, actually. Right. RashidThomas.com. Make sure you check him out. This brother is amazing. Go, go get his book about that life, Revolutionaries. And what I ask of you, right, in 2021 is to think about how can you self-actualize? How can you begin to stop thinking that you can't and start thinking that you can, right? And figuring out what are those mechanisms and strategies that allow you to say, I can't, that I am enough, that I'm that person, that I'm about that life, revolutionaries. Dear brother, this has been an amazing conversation. I know we're going to do a part two. I know we're going to do a part two. I'm a headliner. You're a headliner. (laughs) You are definitely a headliner. Revolutions, as you move through January, as you move through thinking about what 2021 is going to be like for you, think about this. As I was on my bike with my frat brothers, we were cycling, and that's one of the communities that I have been blessed with as I've moved home to Virginia Beach. We were on this treacherous ride, and when I say treacherous, it was windy. It was windy, windy AF. And I kept thinking, I was like, this is 2020. But I knew on the way back we were going to get that tailwind. I knew we wouldn't get that. And and when we turned around, that tailwind got us and we were able to just swiftly move back. The tailwind got us. I'm going to hope that that's what 2021 is going to be for us, right? We've had that stiff tail, we had that stiff, stiff headwind in 2020, but now that tailwind is behind us and we need to be able to work it right. We need to be able to make sure that we can corner correctly, that we've got our strategies in place, revolutionaries. So I hope, I hope that you find a tailwind in this year and that you can be successful, that you can figure out what it looks like to be that person you want to be and that you move expeditiously into that position. I wish you well, revolutionaries. We'll see you soon and always be able to answer what we think here is the most thought-provoking question of your life. What's your revolution? Take care, revolutionaries. We'll talk to you soon. Peace, 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 peace. What's your revolution?